What a beautiful song um, set to start our theme that we're looking at and the series that we're looking at for this um, year and for this month, um, the idea of surrendering ourselves completely to Christ. Uh, This morning, I want to introduce our theme for 2023. And there's probably a few things you, you don't know about me, but every year, um, well, around September, October, uh, I begin to think about and pray about what should the theme for 23, 2023, or what should be the theme for the next year uh, look like. And this can be a little daunting because in a church this size and with people coming and going, uh, a lot can change. And it can be a little bit difficult to know what exactly a congregation needs, especially when you're thinking about the whole year. But I also know that for me, and I think for our staff, and for us as a church, um, working with themes helps us to focus. It also gives direction. And I like having five-year plans for my own life, and for my family, and for us as a church. And so um, every single year, I make this effort to, to think about how we're going to look at the next year. And so this morning I want to give you um, my, a number of thoughts, a number of different things. And so I want you for a moment now just to picture yourself standing at the beginning of a buffet table. Okay? I know now you're like, oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> but I want you to just picture yourself, you're at the, you know, maybe you've gone to a restaurant and it's one of these, they got like a hundred different options. And I want you to picture yourself standing now at this buffet table. Now, there's a few different things that you need to know about buffets. Um, is Number one is you have to be very, very careful that you do not fill up on the first thing that's on the buffet and the thing, right? Because something better could be further down, and you're like, oh, my plate's already full. So I want you to consider that because maybe um, as you listen today, um, you're going to get locked in on one thing, and you're not going to hear the rest of it. The other thing to keep in mind when you think of buffets is that very often in a buffet, you don't have meals that necessarily fit together. Like you can go to a buffet and there'll be mac and cheese and french fries and fried fish and, uh, you know, noodles. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's, you know, um, I don't even think, I can't think of anything right now. But there's something else that you're like, how does this fit together? But you understand that because you're at a buffet. So that's what we're at today as a church. We're at a buffet of ideas. And I want to share with you observations that I've made about Deer Run Church over the last number of years, and I want you to hear me very carefully. These are not right or wrong observations. They are simply my observations. I'm not speaking on behalf of the board. I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody, but as your pastor, these are observations that I've made, and I want us to share with them in order for us to do, and if if you're here for the first time, I want to sort of do an internal review of ourselves as a church. Are you all comfortable? Good. The theme for 2023, just so you know, was actually inspired by a course that I took in the fall. Um, The course is called Intergenerational Faith Formation. And when I started taking this course, I had no idea that it would lead to a year theme. I've been in a conversation with my professor, and I'm hoping to get her to come out here at some point and, and present some of the incredible things that I learned. When we talk about church, when we talk about this church, we can often use words or images like family. Um, we'll talk about the church as a body, 
And obviously, with those images, there's this idea of togetherness. A body isn't one part, it isn't you know, one thing. A family isn't just one person. It's, it's a group of people. And so, when we think about this image of a family as a church and this body as a church, the question that I started wrestling with in my mind, especially on my walks in the morning, is how well do we know each other as a family? If we are a family as a church... How well do we know each other? We run three services. We have multiple different ministries that that connect to different age categories. And and we have all these different events and and things. And these are all good. Again, these are observations, not rights or wrongs. These are all amazing things. And I totally understand that we cannot personally know every single person. But as a church, as a whole, how well do we know one another? An image that has come to my mind is, picture yourself going to a family gathering, and as soon as you arrive at a family gathering, the kids are dismissed, and they're over here, and the grandparents and the parents are over here, and you could actually have a family gathering where the grandparents never meet the kids or the grandkids. And again, just observations. You can come to this church right now as a senior, walk into this building, take your seat, and never bump into a young kid. It's possible. And a kid could come to this church and never meet you. It's possible. How well do we know each other as a church? If that was our family gathering, we wouldn't consider it much of a family. We would think of it much more as just a group of individuals gathering. So this is one observation. Just one observation. And and sometimes I think... Or something I want us to focus on in the year 23. How do we begin to know each other in a better and a more meaningful way? So that's one observation. I think as a church we do a really good job of ministering to the family. We have amazing ministries here. um, Lots of incredible things. You know, you can literally, if you have a young child right now, like an infant... Basically, there's a ministry already for you all the way up to when you're young adults, young marrieds, you know, life groups, all that stuff. We do an amazing job of ministering to the family. But I wonder sometimes how well are we doing at ministering through the family? And so this is, again, something that I, I want us to think about. You know, how, how can we do some of these things in a, in a different way? Uh, we're seeing kids come to Christ, and so again, we're not looking at changing what we have. We're not looking at removing ministries, but how do we make 2023 a year where we minister more through the family? So here's a few more observations when we think about ministries in, in our congregation. Most of our volunteers in this church are under the age of 40. Many of those who are over 55 have pulled out from volunteering. I've had people say things to me like, I've put in my time. I've also had a number of people express how they don't feel like they know how to connect. And almost like they feel like they have no, like, how could you use me? These are things that I want us to consider for 2023. Another observation is that while we're very good, as I said, at ministering to the family, we're not as good at ministering through the family. So this is something that we really, really need to focus on. Another one is that we have all these amazing ministries. Right now, there are multiple ministries running in this church. Often, 
these ministries, though, never really connect. We never hear about some of the amazing things that our mission team is doing, amazing things that, you know, all these different ministries are doing, and, and there's only certain ministries that seem to be noticed. And, and again, how can we connect more as a group and as a church and hear about all the different ministries that are going on? Years ago, I spoke with somebody, and they told me about their family, and their family was really struggling. And, and one of the things that became evident right away as this, as this parent was telling me that they never were together as a family for meals, ever. As a matter of fact, this dad told me that after a while, he's, as he was thinking, he's like, as a matter of fact, I can't tell you the last time as a family, and they had kids, young adults to uh, junior youth, he says, I can't actually tell you the last time we've all been in the same room together. Had a large house. They all had their different things to do. And they were trying to figure out why they were so disconnected as a family. One of the things, and this is maybe sounding a little bit like bragging, but one of the things that my wife has insisted on is that we always share at least one meal together if we can. And I understand that this is maybe not possible for everyone, but that one meal a day together, it creates togetherness. And sometimes, you know, those weren't good times. They were not fun times. We, we were mad at each other at the dinner table. We cried together at the dinner table. We laughed our heads off at the dinner table. We heard about hard things at the dinner table. We heard about exciting news at the dinner table. But there was togetherness because we were in the same space together. I fear that sometimes we as a church can look a little bit like a family that isn't together. We're all eating in our different places, but we're not really sharing togetherness. And we become, or we develop these ministry islands where this ministry is doing their thing and this ministry is doing their thing. And even though we have a mission statement, we're not as aware above all the things that are happening in this congregation. An observation, another observation is that over the years, I've noticed this. This has been happening already for a number of years. I've noticed that there are less and less kids attending the Sunday morning service in this room. Again, this is an observation. I know some of you parents are going to immediately be like, oh, you're, you're, you're nudging me. And it's not a judgment. I get it. But I want you to hear this. Right now, between junior youth and the youngest grade, we have around 180 kids in our Sunday school department. In the next English service, there will be around 100 people in that service. And most of the 180 children will never attend Sunday morning English service or German service. Just an observation. I get it. It's over lunch. People are hungry. It's hard to make kids sit still. And for those of us in this room, the reason some of you don't go to the second English service, because, listen... Ah, the silence. No kids. Thank you. One, I love it. And you're like, I'll show you. I'll show you, little guy. That's awesome. We like the, the, the fact that there are no distractions. And as a parent, we like that we can go to church and, and we can listen and we don't have to constantly wrestle with our kids. But I think if we're not careful, we can end up like a family not eating together. I also fear that these kids will grow up to be teenagers who have no value for this setting and for this kind of place to worship together as a church. Observations, folks. And I could make many, many more. 
So as we look at these observations and as we think about them, I want us to start thinking about how do we work through this stuff. So here's our theme for 2023. It's a horribly, horribly worded theme. Our, our theme for 2023 is how to be church. How to be church. This can be either a question or it can be a statement. But I want us to process this year. How do we fulfill our mission statement without just doing what we've always been doing? Are there some things that need to be rethought? Now, there are a couple of specific areas that I want to connect this theme to and address with this theme. First, I want to look at how we can better connect as a congregation. This is going to be a key focus for this year. As I mentioned earlier, we have many amazing ministries within this church, but how do we connect them more um, efficiently together? Not just for the sake of, you know, administration, but what about what's happening in women's ministry, and what about what's happening in junior youth ministry, and all of a sudden, like, wow, there's overlap here. What the women's ministry is doing, and what girls are learning in junior youth, there's overlap. What the guys are learning in senior youth, there's overlap with what's happening with their moms in Bible study. How do we bring some of that together so that it overlaps a little bit um, more efficiently? At the same time, I don't want this theme to just be what happens in the church. I would love for you to consider this theme also for you as a family. How does this look for you as a family? How can you connect more as parents, as children, with your children, with your grandparents? And how can you connect grandparents and grandchildren more together? Maybe our families or our church can look a little bit like this dinner table from the movie The Incredibles. Let's see if this works. Yes. Maybe you're, it looks a little bit like this. Uh, here we see Helen. In the background, also known as Elastigirl. If you've never seen the show, don't worry about it. Just go with it. They're all at the table together. Her husband, you can see his arm just in the frame. Bob, her husband, he's reading the paper. And she's asking him, do you need to read that here at the table? He's disengaged. And so, Helen tells Bob about their son Dash who was sent to the principal's office, to which Bob replies, good, good. And she's like, no, not good, it's bad, Bob. And Bob's completely distracted in his own, in his own little worlds. He's not listening to what she's saying. So Helen tells him, this is not good. He was sent to the principal's office. And this leads to a disagreement. And there's this awkward silence between them look at the faces of each person in the frame as you can see no one's having fun each person is in their own little world and and they're only communicating information never asking about how they're doing how they're feeling they are unaware of how each person is really doing and so bob doesn't really want to get into a bigger fight with his wife in front of the kids so he grabs his stuff his paper and he leaves the table while it's finished, the meal is not yet done. Now here's something you need to know about Bob. Bob's also had a rough day. He's had issues at work. He's had issues with his car. And instead of telling his family, Bob just withdraws. He goes to the next room to be alone and to read his paper. And I should just say, for those of you that are younger, if you don't know what the paper is, ask your parents. They'll explain it to you. <laughs> Image number five is this. It's... 
There, I just told you what's on my notes. Helen is now left with the kids and quickly changes the subject to their daughter, Violet, who is struggling to find herself in school. And right now she's not eating at the table, which implies that maybe she's struggling and other things. And she's clearly bothered by something. And Dash calls it out that Violet has a crush on a boy. And this leads to a shouting match between the two. And it gets really, really heated. And in desperation, Helen calls out to Bob for help. And Bob replies with a disingenuous, Kids, listen to your mother. Which leads to this look. I think this image says so much. Helen looks defeated. Bob is literally in the next room, but he's completely disconnected. He doesn't care that the kids are fighting. He doesn't care that his wife is left alone trying to manage everything, and above all, that she is being completely disrespected. And the smirk on Dash's face would imply that he thinks he can get away with whatever he wants. Well, now things have gotten more heated. The kids are now physically fighting. And Helen, because she's Elastigirl, and if you don't know what that is, she can literally stretch herself out. It's an animation. Some of you are like, how is this possible? So she's trying to hold everything together. She's got her arms wrapped around both kids. And Bob is in the other room reading the paper. And by the way, his name is also also known as Mr. Incredible. In this, he's in the next room reading the paper, not concerned about what is happening with his family in the other, other room, and he's reading and he's researching, and here's again what you need to know. What he's doing is actually really important. He's working on something, and it's not that it doesn't matter, but there's a disconnect between what matters to Bob and what matters to the family. He's completely on his own. He's isolated himself from the bigger picture, from the picture of his family, and he has disconnected himself, and he is not aware or he doesn't care about the chaos in the next room. Well, finally it gets so loud that he enters into the room, and this is what he sees. And this is when Helen, who still has her arms wrapped around the kids, cries out, and I won't do the sound because I'm not very good at animating, but she's like, Bob! It's time to engage. Do something. Don't just stand there. I need you to intervene. So Bob intervenes. Bob does what he can do. After all, he's Mr. Incredible. And he says to her, You want me to intervene? Okay, I'm intervening. And he uses his strength he uses his power, and he literally changes the entire situation, except it's not helping. He appears to be in control, because he's strong. He's lifted up the whole table. That's also a very strong table. It can hold all those kids. He's lifted up the whole table, but notice the kids are still fighting. Helen still has her arms wrapped around them. She's still trying to separate them, and little old Jack-Jack... The baby is completely forgotten. And then the doorbell rings. Come on. 
And everybody knows exactly what to do. Because they are all superheroes, have superpowers. They could never have a stranger walk in and see them fighting and using their strengths. And so they all quickly drop what they're doing and they look like they are the perfect little family. I want us to think about that for a moment. And you could use that little thing, whether you're doing a talk on family or whatever, but us as a church family. I think this illustration points out that sometimes as a church, we're just not quite as together as it may appear. Now, I'm not suggesting for one second that we're that dysfunctional, you know, or that things are that dysfunctional. But at the same time, I wonder if some of you leaders are like Helen yelling out, somebody do something, help. There's so much going on in my ministry and I don't know how to hold it together anymore. You might even find yourself wrestling with how to connect and and certain people that you thought you could use, certain people that you thought would help have backed away. And have withdrawn. Or maybe you're in that situation where you're looking at your ministry and you're looking at what's all happening and and you're seeing the complicated topics and, and complicated ideas and you're like, you know, the easiest thing for me would just be to leave the room. But we're a family. We can't. And we'll be tempted to, though. It's possible that as a church that we need to reconnect. That we need to sit together. We need to listen to one another. We need to learn from each other. And this is one of the areas that I want to focus on in 2023. The second thing I want us to focus on is much more spiritual focused. I think the the togetherness is good, but this this is a different focus. I want us to think about this year especially of how are we passing the baton of faith to the next generation. If you've ever watched a relay race, then you know how important it is that each individual runner does their part. However, you know that the race is won or lost by whether or not the baton is passed well. There are some rules to passing the baton. If the team drops the baton, they're disqualified. There's an area between where you can pass the baton, and if you pass it too early or too late... You're disqualified. If the team doesn't pass the baton well, the runners will actually have to slow down in order for the transition to happen, and this can easily cost you the race. There's lots of things that we can consider in that simple idea of a relay race. So the question that I've been wrestling with as I think about this year is how well are we passing the baton of faith to the next generation? This is the question, again, that we need to ask ourselves as parents, that we need to ask ourselves as older people, as seniors, that we need to ask ourselves as young marrieds, how well are we passing the baton of faith to those who come after us? And it's definitely something that we need to ask ourselves as a congregation. So if you have your Bibles with you, yay, we're finally going to look at our Bibles. Turn in your Bibles to Joshua 24, because here we see this declaration that Joshua makes that most of us have memorized, that most of us know. It's this declaration of how he's going to pass the baton on to the next generation. 
And Moses has been Joshua's mentor and leader. And, and Moses has clearly passed the baton of faith off to Joshua. And now it's Joshua's turn. And Joshua has led, was with Moses as Moses led the people out of Egypt. And so now we need to ask the, the question, who does Joshua pass the baton to? So let's read Joshua 24, 14 to 15. You've heard this before. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, uh, the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I memorize that verse as, in, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Clear instructions, clear declaration. Remove everything from your life and choose today who you will serve. And then Joshua says, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. I, me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. Now, have you ever asked yourself, how did that work out for Joshua? Did he do it? Flip in your Bibles to Judges, just two chapters to the, to the back. Two chapters further, Judges chapter 2, verses 7. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, verse 8, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Jump to verse 10. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, in other words, they all passed away, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. The very next generation not only disobeyed the Lord, but it says here that they didn't even know the Lord and didn't know about the things that God had done. I want you just to let that set in for a moment. The baton of faith has clearly been dropped. It wasn't passed on. The next generation doesn't know about the Lord, doesn't know about the stories. And see, what we often do is we then look at that generation and say, what's wrong with them? Why haven't they listened better? Why aren't they serving God? But my focus for us as a church this year is on the generation who did not share who did not tell, who did not bring that, pass that on to the next generation. It's not the fault of the generation who hasn't heard. It's the responsibility of the generation who had the information, who had the relationship with God, and did not pass it on. Church, we cannot let this happen. This year... I want us to really focus on how are we passing the baton of faith to the next generation. 
And I want you to hear this. This isn't all just one way. It's not just about us older people telling. It's not just about us older people, you know, you know, forcing or, you know, trying to convince people what to, say, what to believe in that. It needs to be both ways. It's not just about telling. It's about having a relationship with the next generation. We must do more than just teach the next generation our mission statement. We need to model it. These young people in our church and these young adults in our church and these junior youth and these kids in our church, they need to see us model our mission. They need to see us model our love for Jesus. They need to see us model our relationship with Christ, not just us forcing words and information on them. Those are important. But passing the baton of our faith is about us living out our lives in such a way that they see it and believe it and value what we have in Christ. It goes further than that. We need to also invite this generation to be part of our experience. We must be willing to learn from them, to learn from this next generation, to understand them, to value their faith journey. We must provide them with opportunities to stand on their own faith. And when they struggle and when they fall, we are there with love and compassion to lift them back up and to lead them back on the right path. I mentioned the course that I took this fall. And in one of the last classes, one of my classmates, one of the students, shared a story about a kid in his church who came up to him one Sunday after church, and he said to this guy, he says, church is so boring. And so this guy, you know, my classmate, he's like, well, why? Why do you find it so boring? And this, this kid mentioned that Sunday school is the same thing every other week, every week. And, and that guy on the front there, he makes no sense. And so this classmate, he went and told his, his pastor and with tears in his eyes, he, looked, he said, he told his pastor, Pastor, if we don't do something, we're going to lose this kid. And not only is this kid possibly going to stop coming to church, this kid may walk away from their faith. Church, we need to have that impressed on our hearts that there are kids in our Sunday school right now that if we do not pass this baton on to them, when they're 20 years old, they may not be here. And not only not in this church or in a church, they may have given up on faith. We must pass this baton of faith on to our next generation. So I know I've given you a lot of scattered thoughts today, and that's why I told you it's a buffet. But I really hope you've heard the heart behind these words. I need you to know for Marie and I, and I know I speak on behalf of the other staff and pastors here, we love this church. I want us to know and support one another. I want us to grow. I want us to do ministries, not just as a group of individual ministries, but as a healthy family. I love our youth. As a youth pastor for 11 years, youth ministry will always be at the heart of my life. I love young adults. I love the kids who attend here. 
And with all the difficult topics and all the difficult, difficult issues that they're having to process now, never more have they needed to have a healthy church that walks with them, that listens to them, that hears them, that understands what they're processing and how they're processing it. So I want us as a church, I want to be a pastor who is part of that difficult conversation. Not just saying things, but also listening and understanding to learn from them, to impart wisdom when we can, and our experiences when it's fitting, so that we can build one another up. So how to be church? May not be the best worded theme, but I hope that the heart behind that theme, you've captured it today, and that we would move forward this year to truly engage and grow together as a church family. Let's pray. Got a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of wrestling has gone into this idea. And my prayer is now that it's landed with a lot of ears. I pray for our leadership, I pray for our many different ministry leaders. I pray for parents in the room, all of us here that have in some way leadership calling or role. I pray, God, that you would use us to see what you want to do in this church and that we would be obedient. And I pray for this younger generation. God, they are so engaged, many of them, they're so involved already there's so many things that they're being taught and told and forced to wrestle with. Oh, God, help us as a church to be part of that conversation. So pray, Lord, that this year would be a year where we would come together as your church family and that you would use us. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.